You get to go experience that line in the US that when you cross, things turn from squirrel to snakes and all of the big thing that could bite you. And then you get to go there and walk with them at night. Hi, I'm Captain Adam Morton for the Canadian Army Podcast. U.S. Army Ranger School is one of the toughest courses that a soldier can endure. In Canada, there might only be a couple dozen people that are qualified, but I have one of those people here to talk to me about their time on this legendary course. Captain Pierre-Alexandre Dufour is from the 3rd Battalion, Royale 22e Regiment, and he's going to tell us what it was all about. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So... What's a U.S. Army Ranger? Well, the U.S. Army Ranger are a special operation unit that does direct action. They're the primary raid unit for the U.S. Army. The U.S. Army Ranger School is a combat leadership training school that is open to any and all from the infantry of the U.S. Army. It's uh, Really interesting in the sense that it's the same course, whether you've done it in 2022 or you've done it in 1970s. It's The course stays the same. Uh, it's been extensively researched. It's very standardized, so everybody gets kind of the same experience. And it's a very valuable course, in my opinion, especially for young soldiers, well, young NCOs or young officers from a training institution point of view. It's a great experience because you get to go through a course with young officer that just graduated West Point. So NCOs from the regular uh, conventional infantry unit from the U.S. Army, you get to see all of the would-be NCOs of the uh, Ranger battalions from the uh, U.S. Army Ranger uh, unit. And a bunch of Green Barrett's also are on the course. So you get a very wide range of experience. You get to meet different people and you get to learn from a whole range of, of experience on that course. And suffer together. And suffer together. <laughs> so when you described what a ranger is, I like the fact that you use the word raid. And, you know, we haven't talked a lot about infantry stuff specifically on this podcast, but uh, how would you tell everybody what a raid is? Um, so raid is the destruction of uh, enemy position that is known and you have a unit or an organization that's tasked with the destruction of the enemy uh, on that position. Essentially what a raid is, is you go somewhere where you know there's adversary enemy and your whole point of going there is destroying them. So when I think of that in an infantry context is your, your average Canadian infantry soldier is trained in, you know, what I'll call combat operations. And definitely a raid is a part of that. And you're saying that U.S. Army Rangers, it's the school that specializes in the execution of that specific task. Um, no, the unit, the U.S. Army Rangers are the primary raid unit of the U.S. Army. The U.S. Army Ranger School is a, a combat leadership course. So it teaches all of the students that go through there to lead squads and platoons in raids and ambushes. Oh, that's really cool. So what was the training like? So the training is broken down into three phases. Uh, in the user model, crawl, walk, run. First phase is held in Fort Benning. All the phases last 20 days and 20 nights. And at the end of every phase, there's a peer assessment where the bottom two of your platoon get to get recourse and redo the whole phase all over again because <laughs> they get to be better team player next time. Or you can also get recourse based on 
your performance. Yeah, performance. Go no goes for the task that you were assigned. So the first phase in Fort Benning, uh, you're going to get that uh, ranger assessment week where you get to do a physical fitness test. So 49 push-up, 59 setup, 5 miles under 40 minute, and a 12-mile foot march with rucksack and uh, combat attire under 3 hour and 30 minutes. And then you get a combat water survival test, a derby mile run event, which is an obstacle course in pair with a mile run in kit, and a Malvesti obstacle course, which is another obstacle course uh, that's in that first phase. And uh, you get night and day uh, land navigation tests as well. The rest of the phase is uh, focused on squad tactics and leading squad into uh, small unit missions. And into this phase, there is also one airborne jump. That's a lot. That's a lot for 20 days. They're (laughs) they're busy. Not a whole lot of sleep. And um, each phase starts with a garrison time where you get a bed and three really quick meals a day. And then when you go in the field, one of the meal is cut. Uh, so you get to work on about 18 to 1500 calories a day, depending on what lucky pick you had in the meal that you, <laughs> you like get. The ration draw. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what happens after that phase? So when once you're successful in Fort Benning, either you take a bus if you're a non-airborne soldier, or you get to jump and you go to... Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, where you'll do the mountain phase for another 20 day and 20 night. So that phase, again, focus on squad and platoon tactics. So you're going to do raid and ambushes mainly, but you're going to do them in a mountain context. So you're going to get to learn a lot of techniques of repelling, knots, uh, use a pulley system to bring up and down a casualties or equipment. And so all of your scenario will be done on a steep incline. Uh, so you can imagine having to do uh, a reactive contact and fight through a position on an incline. It requires a lot more endurance than on flat terrain. And then it also tests your your navigation skills because all of that terrain uh, and elevations makes your route planning a lot different because straight line might be good on flat ground, but sometimes (laughs) you're you're gonna save a lot more time going around a peak than going over and down. So it gives you the opportunity to have to plan routes more in accordance with terrain than you would normally on a flat training area. I do have a question about how do you resupply in in the mountains? The way it's done on the course is a little bit of uh, artificiality due to the time constraint because the training never stops. So you you get to a patrol base, you establish your patrol base, and once all your procedure is done, then you get about an hour to maximum to like sleep, change your socks and get ready for the next day. And so they bring food and water to you. Uh, but in a mountain environment, normally you have to rely on uh, either what you packed when you left, what you can get dropped or airlifted there and all the water sources that are available. So a lot of uh, water purification system would be useful because you, you don't want to carry all the water that you need for a week because yeah. it's going to take a whole lot of room and Water is heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about uh, a kilo. Well, not about. It's a kilo per liter. Yeah, exactly. But it's like when you're taking ten liters in in a day, uh, you know, that's ten kilograms. Yeah, you're gonna feel that when you're you're going up. I was just thinking, especially because it's like when you're in the mountains, you can't just drive a truck up there. You know what I mean? Like necessarily. Yeah, and that comes back to having run that course the same for decades. Their walking lanes for every mission is usually really well made. It's bringing you over a peak and then down into a valley where they can easily 
resupply you. It's like uh, experience pays. Yeah, that's right. That's right. If you keep going the same way every time, eventually it'll figure out the good spots to do the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so after going through the mountains, what happens next? For uh Canadian like us, that is really uh, nice wildlife. You get to go experience that line <laughs> in the U.S. that when you cross, things turn from squirrel to snakes and from <laughs> raccoons to crocodiles. So you go to, into the uh, Florida phase, which brings you... Uh, or the swamp phase, so you'll go, and again, it's just refining those squad tactics, platoon tactics for another 20 day, 20 night, again, another jump in or an air assault, depending if you're an airborne soldier or not, and you get to do a lot of assault boat downriver, so you'll get the feel for navigating with map and compass on a river, and you get to cross a lot of swamp at night, so walking when it's really dark is quite quite an experience. You get to see... Uh, before you get there, they'll do a reptile class where they'll show <laughs> right. you that all of the nice venomous snake and all of the, the big thing that could bite you that lives in the swamp that you're going to go into. And then you get to go there and, and walk with them at night. So it's, uh, <laughs> so it just shows you the, um, you get taught when you're going through combat arm training, uh, even in Canada, usually you want to come from or live where and come from where the enemy doesn't expect you, you can like that you can traverse easily and that's what they show you there is that uh, you go from uh, a beach where you get on a boat go down a river and walk for a whole night and then you get to your uh, raid or ambush area and you conduct your raid after having uh, crossed that impassable uh, obstacle that is that big swamp yeah and it's like probably not an infantry soldier in the calf hasn't been in a swamp but there's swamps and then there's swamps. Yeah. You know I, mean? <laughs> I remember like going down like the river in in Florida and you could see like the alligators. You could see the the wildlife that you were gonna encounter at night when you were gonna walk through. So it's a pretty unreal experience. If you're talking about alligators and snakes and stuff like that, people have in their head like, oh my God, how do people not die? But I think for anybody who spent any period of time outside, I'm assuming the wildlife is just not as aggressive as maybe people have in their heads? Like, I, nobody died, right? No, and I think that's just a factor of uh, numbers. I wouldn't personally swim in those river alone, but when you're 12 to 14 soldier on a soul boat, then you look like a gigantic whale, so you're maybe twice as big and twice as heavy as that would-be predator, so they, they kind of tended to leave you alone. So I think that's what they... Humans have figured out from a long time, the more you are, the better you are, I guess, wildlife. <laughs> yeah. So it applies in that situation too. But still, things like snakes is just something you don't have to contend with when you train in Canada, but it's just something you got to keep your eyes open and not leave your boots uh, just open at night when you sleep, just so you don't get a nice present in the morning and have a snake curled up in your <laughs> toe box. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> it's just something that you have to think about, and but it doesn't detract from from training. It's just more interesting. That's what I found. So what comes next? After that, you're done. If you've made it uh, through uh, that 60 days or however time you, you needed to redo one other phase. So we say 60 days. I met guys that were there for almost six months. So depends on how long and how hard you're willing to commit for that time. The fact that you might start over any part of it is a good motivation to give it all you got the first time. But then you get a little bit of time to eat to get a little bit of fat on your bone because you look a little bit depleted by the end, and then it's graduation time. And I was lucky enough to have some member of my family come down to Fort Benning 
They make it a big thing. They bring out people from uh, the training brigade and from the uh, ranger unit. It's a pretty cheerful moment where everybody gets their tab, and I got a chance to have my wife in my tab. So it was a pretty unreal experience. That's awesome. Obviously, this is all pretty challenging, I'm going to guess. Yeah, it is challenging. So the infantry training in Canada is already challenging. We get a good deal of uh, endurance tests and sleep deprivation and all that. So, But uh, the food component or uh, working on... Uh, caloric deficit for extended period of time is something that I'd never had to contend with. You don't know how your body's going to react to it until you're actually doing it. But that's to me what's the most challenging part was really the uh, not eating enough, knowing you're not eating enough, being hungry all the time, uh, having to manage your expenditure of energy because you you know your your next meal is at seven in the morning and that's going to be it until the next day. So you know that what you have eaten that morning is the the only thing you get until the next morning. It takes some getting used to it, but it's a valuable lesson to have uh, and also shows uh, the limit of your body and what you take for granted when you do other things. Yeah. How did your body react? I wouldn't say bad. I wouldn't say good. I lost about 25 pounds being uh, at the time I was younger so I was maybe 170 pounds so that brought me down to close to 145 ish uh, so really really thin and the more you go through that the heavier your equipment feel the, the harder it is to walk long distance the more prone you are to getting sick so it's all those feelings that you get to contend with and to, to feel your body experience uh, so it's really about pushing your limit and and being in a position where you want to keep going because you represent Canada in a course that's sought after by so many in the U.S. That course runs 11 times a year uh, with classes that range about 250 to 400 candidates every class for 11 class. So that's there's thousands of infantry uh, soldiers and officers in the U.S. Army that are going after that qualification. And so being there as a, one of the few Canadians representing Canada and the Royal Infantry Corps and, and your your unit, that pride helps you. What about the mental aspect? So the rules that are imposed on you were different than the one I have experienced in the training system in Canada. So for example, so for the 60 days, it's uh, or the whole time you were on a course, so however many days you stay there, it's no access to cell phone. So you get one phone call per phase. Um, <laughs> wow. So And it's like eight phone booths with quarters with like a hundred soldiers waiting behind you. Everybody wants to make <laughs> their one phone call, but you know, you got to talk for like two minutes because there's hundred other soldiers that want to make their phone call too. So no phone call. Uh, you can get mail, which is bring you back to something that I being almost 30 never used in my life. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like my grandparents <laughs> sent me a postcard for Christmas and that's about all the mail I ever got in my life. Bills. And so then there... My wife and my family and my friends would send me like mails and I would write mails too that I would post. And that's how I kept uh, like a little uh, connection to the outside world. So that's something that helped, uh, but also just getting immersed in the environment you're in. And by the nature of how diverse the people that are on that course, so you get very interesting stories and you get to talk with very interesting people. What other countries were a part of that? The course is open to a lot of uh, countries that are allied with the United States. So U.S. has a more extensive relationship with militaries across the world. So while I was there, I met people from Singapore, Pakistan, Lebanon, 
there was French, uh, Brits. So it's also a very valuable interpersonal experience to, yeah, to, sure. to get to talk with those NCOs and officers from other countries and, and to learn about how things are conducted by home, uh, what kind of operations they're in, and their realities where every member of the profession of arms, whether Canadian, American, or any other countries, all have a little bit in common, like regardless of the country you come from. So there's a relationship to be built on that pretty easily. So that, that makes it a lot easier to spend uh, that amount of time cut from the outside world. Why is it important for Canadians to kind of engage with U.S. military training? Because they're the biggest military machine in the world, biggest training institution in the world. Like I said, that school pumps out about 2,000 graduates a year, 11 classes every year, just seeing the system and the resources, and also getting to know people, getting to know TTPs, so tactic, technique, and procedures, uh, getting to know how they plan missions, what kind of equipment they're using, reports and returns, so getting to know their radio procedure, I think makes you appreciate how interoperable we are with the U.S. military. And I think uh, they spend a lot of time thinking about uh, how to prepare for war. They spend a lot of money training their people to do it. And I mean, I don't think we have to do everything starting from scratch just because we're across the border from the north. They got things to learn from us and we got things to learn from them and getting involved and trying their course. There's things that we can bring back to Canada and that we can incorporate into how we work. After having gone through all of these things, is there anything you've learned from there that if people want to improve themselves, they could apply that today and it would make them better? Yeah, I think um, most of the time, if you think inside of a team that you're either doing enough or there's nothing more you could do, there's always something else. Get involved with your team. Get to know the people that are working with you. They'll pay dividend if you're either a leader or you have to assist people into gauging uh, strengths and weaknesses and using them to their best potential. So learn to be a better team member. Yeah, learn about yourself and then spend time learning about the people you're working with. Well, that's U.S. Army Rangers. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. That was Captain Pierre-Alexandre Dufour of the 3rd Battalion, Royal 22e Regiment. If you want to hear more from him, we've got a Patrol Pathfinder podcast. That's on Season 3, Episode 10. As usual, I'm Captain Adam Morton for the Canadian Army Podcast. Morton out.